0: Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 41 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. Our guest today made history back in March by winning the biggest first prize in the history of the Poker Stars Sunday Million, when she defeated over 69,000 players to claim a life-changing $1.5 million win. Prior to that, she was already a successful poker player and streamer who was signed as an ambassador to America's Card Room less than a week before her huge win. All in all, we'd call that a pretty good month. And today, we're going to catch up with her and see what she's been up to since then. Vanessa Kay, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast.
1: Hey, how's it going? Thanks so much for having
0: me. Pleasure. Thanks so much for, for waking up bright and early. I know you got a day two coming up, so thank you very much for, for making the time. Um, it's, i got to say, it's it's pretty cool to talk to you a couple months now after your win. Uh, the dust has kind of sort of settled down. Maybe you've been able to sort of look back on that a bit. I'm, I'm kind of wondering, how great has life been since that beautiful day in March?
1: I mean, definitely more stress-free. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I spent uh, a little bit of time in Mexico, which was really nice in the state. At some some nice places there that are maybe a little bit nicer than I normally would have. But a lot of life is still um, kind of business as usual. I'm doing a lot of the same tournaments, maybe slightly higher buy-ins in general. Um, but yeah, uh, similar similar life, less stress. I think is the the current status.
0: Okay, that sounds cool. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on as well. Uh, I mentioned you've got a date two uh, at the Wynn at an event. Uh, you're in Las Vegas right now. How does it feel to be back playing live poker again?
1: Oh, man, it's amazing. Oh, My table yesterday was so good, too. There were some really good characters at the table, and they were entertaining for two and a half hours or more. Uh, and I was just sitting there thinking how much I missed all of that. Like online's great and everything, but man, the some of the conversations that happen at poker tables are just hilarious.
0: Uh-huh. Really good your, to do that. This is your first uh, tournament back?
1: Um, I think so. No, I played uh, Florida, actually. I played uh, WPT Florida about a month ago, I think.
0: Uh huh. Okay. And how Solidly would
1: you? All of those. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why we don't mention it. Okay. but
1: well, how... <laughs> okay, I'll live.
0: Do you feel that sort of anything has changed in the live poker experience and sort of like pre-pandemic?
1: Um, like currently now compared to before. I yeah. mean, there's still people wearing masks. There's there's mm-hmm. some weird rules that are lingering. Like, it's really funny because we were talking about this uh, a couple days ago where they brought down the plexiglass and they've relaxed a lot of the rules, but for some reason, the dealers can't share pens. (laughs) I don't know why, but that's like (laughs) one of the rules that's left. Apparently they have to each have their own pen. I mean, they can still touch all the same cards and the chips and everything else. But um, I mean, aside from a few quirks like that, it felt pretty much like almost normal. That's there, great. there are people still wearing masks and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it almost felt normal, I think.
0: Okay, cool. That, that's that's really good. It's really encouraging. And obviously, uh, you know, the game's coming back. We all uh, are very excited to get our seat back at the felt. Uh, once again. A couple, a couple of days ago, you and I were sort of chatting on DM, sort of like trying to coordinate uh, the timing for the interview. And you kind of mentioned at some point that you were just splashing around at 1-3. So, so I'm just wondering, how much exactly do we need to win before moving up to 2-5? <laughs> I
1: mean, this is funny. People were giving me shit about it. Every time I've played, I've only played 1-3 in cash since then because I do it for enjoyment, basically. And uh, I mean, I'm having some drinks and talking to people for the most part, so it doesn't really matter what the stakes are. And in fact, I feel like I run into more people from social media at one three than if I go play some of the higher stakes. So I just it's much more enjoyable all around.' It's, that's why I've been playing one three. and then, I mean, I'm playing some bigger tournaments online and and live as well um but cash games i mean i'll play some higher stakes stuff probably while i'm here but if i'm just looking to mess around like 1-3 is plenty good
0: that's pretty good you know i'm just kidding with you and i think that's good <laughs> it's good to, to give back to to the community oh well,
1: i definitely been doing that <laughs> <laughs> we've given away some money at 1-3 this last little bit
0: <laughs> uh, okay well so long as you're having fun i think at that point uh you know at this point that's the name of the game um, you mentioned that, uh, after you went, you didn't really want to buy anything material per se, but as you said, you have traveled a bit, uh, you go to Florida, you went to Mexico. Now you're in Las Vegas. Are, are you kind of feeling like you're enjoying these experiences a little bit more because there isn't that stress, like you said?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I actually had, I mean... I'm mean, gonna like a bad day, but like as bad of a day as it gets for me at the moment is not that bad. So I don't want to seem like I'm whining about it. But um, my travel day from Mexico to here just had a series of a whole series of things that just went wrong in a row, mm. and I ended up wasting like four or five hours. Like the the only thing I did buy for my Sunday million win was um, a new set of luggage, which were like pretty decently like four hundred dollar yeah like high end. Um, and on the way down to Mexico, one of them lost a wheel and then on the way back from Mexico, the other one lost the same wheel. And this was especially inconvenient because I actually had to carry them a long way. They wouldn't roll properly and they were overweight. So I basically had to carry 130 pounds worth of bags around in Las Vegas and I had rented a car. So. I tried to get it on the shuttle and I had to go over there. And then by the time I got there, the desk was closed and just all these things happened. And, um, and then I got to my hotel room that I had booked for a month, which was very sadly not what I was expecting. And kind of uh, I made a joke to a friend that, that I didn't think there were more depressing rooms than the Rio. <laughs> and then I walked into this room and I'm like I can't stay here for a month. Oh, no. I mean, I was, I was still being frugal. I just got something that I thought was reasonable and it looked nice online, but it was not nice in person. Right. So at this point, it had been a long day and I was feeling kind of crappy. And the nice thing is I was thinking about this the next day because I basically just canceled my reservation there. I temporarily booked at least into the wind for the for a couple of weeks here and I'll just get an Airbnb probably for a little bit. But um, I was thinking about how like, you know this money basically helps solve that kind of stress mm-hmm. so you know nothing is ever that stressful because you can always just book something nicer at the last minute like it helps solve a lot of small problems right. i think that can add up so it's really nice for that purpose
0: right well, it's, it's fine. I was like laughing, not at your misfortune with the whole wheels, but, you know, I know that's something I've been through. I'm sure that's something everyone in the Cards Chat audience has been through at least once. And, and possibly it's even happened to you before. You know, we're still normal people. It doesn't matter how much we win or lose. It happens to us all. Uh, something that can resonate. Um, what would you say, I guess, is, you know, in the last three months or so, the coolest thing that you've done since is maybe like something that you wouldn't have done before?
1: I don't know, actually, okay, there's the one thing I did do that I wouldn't have done before was I rented a really nice place in Mexico, like really, really nice. Uh, mm. Just for a week, it was ridiculously expensive. I still feel like financially responsible, where I don't want to just go bananas, good spending money on things like what I the level of comfort that I was at before is probably good enough for me. And I don't expect to really change that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but this for this one week, Um, I rented this really, really nice apartment that was sick. It was a penthouse that had this pool on the roof that overlooked the ocean that was less than a block away. It was just beautiful. So there's that. And then also when I was in Mexico, thing is, this isn't really financially related, but I had been there before and kind of chickened out on this experience. Um, I went diving in the cenotes there, which are like oh, caverns, basically. Nice. So um, you go like a. We were about a hundred feet down. Wow. Um, in like caves, basically, more or less, cave diving. Cool. Which was oh. really cool. Like it, I was super scared, and then by the time I got in there, a couple minutes in, I kind of just was fine. Um, nice. So it was that. That was one of the coolest experiences of my life. I think definitely. Definitely top ten anyway for sure. Maybe top five even.
0: <laughs> that's that's really that's so great to have experiences like those. I know if it was me, like I have this pipe dream. I don't really ever play tournaments. I put like one a year. So I don't have ever like this really big dream of a big score. But I know for me, like the big splurge or something that I would always love to do is just like book an entire like sushi restaurant, bring a bunch of my friends and order like everything on the menu. That's just one thing I have to do sometime in my life. So yeah. <laughs> well, I hope
1: that happens for you. That's one thing I was thinking about too. Like it, uh-huh. it's almost like it's too bad that I mean this happened because of COVID, but also mm. if um it hadn't been COVID times, I would have been able to have some kind of celebration with my friends and everything and we're kind of getting closer to being able to do that, I feel like, but you know, it's Probably gonna be like six or seven months out by the time I I might be able to do something, and then I don't know if it's worthwhile still. But it's it would have been worthwhile. really cool. <laughs> it would have been cool to have like some kind of party, basically, for my friends. Okay,
0: well, hopefully that'll still happen. Uh, you know, everything has its time and its and its season. Um, well, speaking of your friends, uh, you know, obviously, like all the congratulatory messages just poured in. Uh, can you share? You don't have to say from who or anything, but maybe there was something that was exceptionally like meaningful to you that you received in like in the wake of you win.
1: So I probably got more than two thousand messages wow. across all of the social media, and I tried for a while to reply um, to everything. But then once you reply, they reply back again, and it just like snowballed into being thousands and thousands of messages that I couldn't eventually keep up with. Um, but it was so cool to, um, see that at all in the first place. Uh, probably the coolest message I got was from, uh, an old friend from elementary school or high school, um, who I didn't even know followed. I I hadn't kept in touch with her really. She's on Facebook. It's just kind of one of those people that you, you know, you remember them from back in the day and they're kind of just there, but you don't really talk too often or anything. You know, we weren't super close. Um, you know, I'd, she didn't play poker as far as I know or anything. She sent me this really long message that was just the nicest thing, where uh-huh. she was talking about um, all this stuff that happened with Bilzerian and the and like trying to make things better for women and just um, the situation in poker in general. And she doesn't play poker, but had read about everything <laughs> wow. and was keeping up on it and just saying, like, it's amazing to. I've had this win, and like, I'm so glad it happened for you and you deserved it. And like, just all of these really nice things. And it was amazing to see somebody from that far back in my past who had followed this story, spent enough time to read up to understand. She understands like the nuances of it, like affiliate deals and like what it wow. happened. In poker. <laughs> That's pretty Most deep. People in poker don't understand yeah. still, so, like, they're still confused about that. She got it, and I couldn't believe it. I was reading this message, and I'm like, wow. Like that, that was crazy because that was, you know, something from so far back that it was just really meaningful and she clearly, she was very emotional about it. And it was amazing to see that from somebody from years and years ago, like it was incredible.
0: Wonderful. Well, thanks for sharing that. that that's, that's pretty cool indeed. I mean, well, obviously you broke out, you know, with this big win, but you have been on the scene for years beforehand, most notably uh, streaming on Twitch, and you've still streamed pretty regularly uh, over the last couple months as well. Um, how has that been impacted? Like, do you see your audience maybe taking a little, you know, taking a little easier on you now or something like that?
1: I don't know about that i mean it's almost the other way around i feel like because i made a point of kind of goofing around on stream a lot before like i used to just wear these animal onesies and drink and oh we'll like, talk about not. that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i wasn't worried too much about playing really really good poker even mm-hmm. though i know i could do very well like it's hard to it's hard to stream and focus at the same time so i kind of basically when you're streaming you have to prioritize either good poker or trying to be entertaining and I went the entertainment route and Mm. now I I took a break for maybe I don't know eight months or something from streaming just so I could focus on playing well off stream Uh and I was kind of thinking you know I'll come back and stream but I'm gonna flip it and basically try to prioritize playing well instead and worry less about engaging um the audience all the time which really distracts a lot from the game yeah Uh, i mean and i'm still talking to chat as much as i can but i'm just trying to pay more attention i think to the poker itself um and so i i don't know so i think uh like that is definitely a big change um and i have gotten i think more chat proing maybe from uh because because of this win you know people want to come in and criticize the play a little bit more and so i kind of just usually i was pretty lax about that kind of stuff before but i noticed it really negatively affects my mood so there's just a hard rule now no chat proing and they're just like (laughs) banned on site because i just don't i just don't i don't want to argue with people about how to play hands and i'm happy to have people sweat my play but um yeah i don't know Sometimes it's like the condescending way in which people phrase it. It just doesn't go over very well.
0: People gonna people, you know. You, just gotta, you gotta do what's good for you. Um,
1: here's a question
0: that's pretty awesome to just be able to ask again. Um, <laughs> what are the rest of your live poker plans for the summer and for WSOP this fall?
1: Um, so I'm gonna play most of this win series. I was actually just looking this morning at the um, US poker open schedule. It starts today, uh, yeah. right? June 30th. I think so. Yeah. I might play a couple of those no limit hold'em ones. I'm kind of debating it. There's some like 10K buy-in ones later this week that seem like they could be fun. So maybe that. Uh there's also some good tournaments at the Venetian. Um, there's I know there's like a W some WPT tournaments there later in the summer a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other good stuff already, even they've had some good guarantees going on for a little while there. Um, but yeah, i I think most of my schedule right now is at the win, And then after that, in the fall, I'll play WSOP like live for sure. Full schedule? Yeah, for sure. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. You have your eye on any particular event or, or discipline or something like that. And you're like, oh, that, that's, that's the bracelet I want.
1: Um, all of them. Not like ah. <laughs> <laughs> nothing in particular. No, uh, I just like, I love the WSOP, uh, series in the summer it always feels I know it's like a cliche everybody says but it does really feel like going to you know summer camp for us I feel like so I've missed that the last year and uh I'm looking forward to getting back to that and seeing everybody
0: cool well hopefully we'll have that without the 110 degree heat this time around in in September October I
1: mean it might even like work out to be better in the long run this way
0: Hopefully uh, the officials will, will take note. We'll see how it happens. Um, so let's talk about uh, the Sunday Million itself. Um, let's go back to the day of that big win. Obviously, there's just so much going on. Now that dust has settled. You know, you can sort of reflect on it with like the clarity of hindsight. What was the coolest moment for you of the tournament?
1: Um, maybe watching that flip run out,
0: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. the, the the fives I shoved and got called by Ace King. And then it took until I got to the turn to realize that he had called <laughs> because I I expect just a, like a snap fold most of the time. And I was like, Oh, shit, he called for a lot of chips. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, we're still good. And I'm kind of just like, catching up assessing the situation by the time we got to the turn and then like they held and i was like holy shit and then it occurring to me that it's basically like a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar flip just one more or less i mean you know it might not have played out that way if i had lost i'd still have had chips left but close enough like that Uh that will have been the biggest flip in my entire life and maybe will be at the end of my career i'm not sure but
0: (laughs) Have you ever had a similar feeling, obviously not the magnitude money-wise, you ever had a similar feeling of that nature before, just because you have so much experience, so many tournaments you play? Um,
1: oh, Sorry, of which feeling specifically? Just the
0: exhilaration of like, oh my God, this is huge. Like this is a whole other level. Like maybe when you were just sort of starting out uh, and like, you know, moving up in the, in the ranks or something like that.
1: Not on this level. I don't think so. I think, I think this is in its own category. (laughs) Okay.
0: That's fair. Um, would you say that there was maybe a particular moment on the final day or when play maybe got down to shorthanded or or heads up where you felt nervous at all?
1: I'm not sure. Maybe when I got really short, um, Mm. at the final table, I think I was down to, you know, five and a half or six big blinds at one point. Um, but even then I wasn't super nervous. It was more just like, I'm going to make the best decisions I can and whatever will happen is out of my control. So, um, I just was focused on not making, you know, anything that I would have considered to be a mistake at that point. Cool. Um, so, and I, you know, and I was happy with all of my decisions. So I don't think I remember I was triple checking before I clicked the button. Like I would, I would put in my bet amounts and then, I would be like, all right, if I bet this, am I, am I willing to accept the consequences of whatever happens afterwards, even if it means I'm out of the tournament or whatever. And I would do that with every decision. Hmm. Um, And, and I was fine with it, I think. So, I mean, I was happy with my choices and that's all you can do really.
0: I have to say like in a way that's kind of the answer I expected because you're obviously a professional I'm just kind of wondering like being on that just gigantic stage, if that had had any sort of effect and obviously you managed to sort of stay cool, calm and collected in the moment. That's very I feel cool. like
1: there's like a disconnect between the money and my actions for me at that point, aside from being, mm. you know, aware of ICM to a degree. Um, I feel like I wasn't really thinking specifically about the money until the until the chip the last chips got shipped in my direction and then and then mm-hmm. it was okay. That's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> once,
0: I saw part of that celebration. It was like a good on the stream. It was it was yeah. certainly a, a quite a moment. Um, there's a past WSOP main event champion who back in the day uh, he kind of got some heat for bemoaning his luck. In a subsequent marquee tournament. So obviously you've played a bunch since your big win. We're all poker players here, whether professional, recreational. How long did it last before you kind of cursed your bad luck <laughs> for losing a big flip or taking a bad beat?
1: I mean, I've had I I have had some days where there's just nothing I could do. Since then, and I kind of caught my brain going in that direction. when it's like, damn, like today kind of sucked or I like, I've been talking to a friend and like almost started saying that and I'm like, look, I can't complain. My lifetime way, way, way up, probably indefinitely. So I, you know, I, I can't, if I ever started complaining, I would basically catch myself and, and say like, what are you, <laughs> what are okay. you going to do? I like, ran, I ran exactly as I needed to for the most important tournament of uh, the year for me um you know I can't really complain about anything you still feel it though uh, to some degree like you can have bad days where it just sucks because you're in a lot of good spots and things go wrong and everything but um I don't know I haven't I haven't lost that yet where I've been able to catch myself if I start whining okay good good Uh
0: well, you said that um, you know you spent the last few months really just sort of working on your game before before the big win, and you worked very very hard to improve. You know, we said you've been a professional for a long time. You don't just wake up one day and win the Sunday Million. Can you kind of tell us, you know, give us a peek behind the scenes? What did you do to study? What was your process? Um, you don't have to say, you know, with whom or anything like that, or or you can and you know give whoever credit or poker training sites. Um, was it solver work? You know, what exactly did you do to sort of, you know, make it there?
1: So if you've looked into poker coaching before, you know, it can be pretty pricey. And mm-hmm. I it had actually been downswinging for a year and a half before this. Maybe maybe two years, honestly, where I was just in a lot of like really big spots in tournaments over and over again and kind of just got screwed out of a, a decent win dozens of times, um, and was definitely running below EV. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a ton of extra money, basically, to pay somebody $500 or $1,000 an hour for coaching. So what I had done, I decided was to, um, basically, every time I was playing on ACR, I would shark scope people until I found some people who had really nice graphs that you know like consistent winners where it was like a 45 degree angle uh straight up to you know a million plus in in winnings right. um, and when i found a couple people like this i would basically find out who like figure out who they were because you know you can't have that kind of track record and like it's like somebody i know knows them for sure right. and i would figure out who it is and basically be like hey do hmm. you want to do some coaching <laughs> and like wow. you know and find some like way to offer them something or you know, whether it's, you know, I like, I have connections that can potentially help them in other ways, or like doing some kind of trade or Mm -hmm. money, just not to the extent that like they could hypothetically charge. Um, And so I found a few people who had graphs like this, basically, where it was like, very clear, they were crushers, um, and messaged them and approached a few people. And a couple people told me no. um, And then I found a couple people that I definitely knew I had con- like good contacts with, right. um, and they basically hooked me up. So hmm. one of the people that helped me uh, is Groot the uh who is Elliot, uh, and I uh, did a lot of hand reviews and stuff with Watt as well, who actually does coaching and um, he is you know definitely very approachable. He has a Twitch stream as well. Um, so if you are looking, Elliot's going to be more expensive, I think. But uh, one of the questions I get asked the most is, what kind of resources do you use? Who can you recommend for coaching? Um, if you want to spend a little bit more, definitely people like Groot, the D Gen, and H Styles um, are really good choices. I've worked a bit with H Styles since my win. Um, and uh, Watt can Watt, who is uh, Ruben? can uh, probably do it for a little bit less and you super solid as well so i i did like some leak finding sessions with Mm -hmm. elliot or like one long one in particular and then um i pretty much we just discussed specific hands uh after that i would send them a hand history and i would send it both to uh ruben and to elliot and and see like what answers i got back like what would you do here and if we didn't know i would just run it through pile basically Mm -hmm. so like there are spots where it, it could very easily be split between two ways or multiple ways And in those cases, you just run it through pile and see what it says. So that's basically what I did. And I ended up running, um, you know, a sim or a couple sims every day um, and just flagging spots that I recognized as not really being super sure about what was ideal um, as I was playing.
0: Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like, I've never really heard that approach before. It's very unique, uh, (laughs) some would say unconventional. Uh, you know, like shark scoping and then and then finding these people. You said it's kind of like out of necessity because you didn't have the funds available. Is that a strategy you knew that other people had done before that you had tried prior in your career?
1: No, um, <laughs> I think I had thought of it randomly because I oh. had shark scoped um, people at one of my tables and I just saw somebody with a really nice graph, and I thought it'd be cool if I could get coaching from somebody who is clearly like putting in this volume in these games and seeing this much success. And I just started with the one person. And then I thought, you know, I could just do this and like try to find more people with like similar experience and just approach them until somebody says yes. (laughs) Right. right. So it kind of just happened by accident, more or less. Like, I, yeah, I just saw that first graph and tried it out and got told no and decided to try some more.
0: (laughs) Okay, so that's interesting. Is that, um, I mean, obviously you're at a, you know, advanced stage of your career, you've been around, you've done a lot, and this is the strategy you've tried. I, would you recommend that for sort of beginners, recreational players who are just starting to get into it? Or would you, you know, show, you know, I mean, they do something yeah,
1: else? For sure. I think uh, some of the best resources for uh, people starting to get into it as well um, include Twitch. That's gotta be one of the best. I mean, you have a lot of very decent players showing you exactly how they're playing a whole ton of spots. Um, and then yeah, talking to your peers and it doesn't, you don't have to like get a crusher to teach you right away. Like you can do it in stages where you just get somebody who's better than where you're at right now to help you out, to get to the next stage. And then maybe from there, find somebody who's better than them and so on. Um, you know, you don't have to go from zero to a hundred right off the bat. Okay,
0: cool. Fair. Um, all right. So we've talked a lot about this Sunday million that day. What it's been like since then but you've been around for a while not everyone knows the Vanessa Kaye They just heard of you through this you know you've been in the news but what about Vanessa K. before then you know maybe you could sort of clue us in uh your playing history your career before poker or just sort of you know give us the the here
1: sure. um so before poker I used to work on video games um I basically helped manage video game projects for some pretty big companies like Disney and Lucasfilm and um, the company I started at was called BioWare out of Edmonton. Um, And I actually learned to play poker at one of those game companies where they had um, these lunchtime $5 sit and goes. So like they would basically have like one table with nine players and the winner would get 30 bucks or something and the second place would get 10 bucks or whatever it worked out to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they would just do that twice a week and a friend of mine played them and was like, you should come, you should come uh, watch this. I think you would like this game. And so I actually learned to play poker at the video game company. Wow. Um, <laughs> the very first one that I worked for. And then I played it, you know, for fun while I was um, uh, working at these other companies for a number of years afterwards. Um, and then after that, I basically played five five years worth of full-time cash where I was playing every day and absurd amount of hours, I would wake up in the middle of the night, like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, go play all the way through the night. By the time the sun came up, I'd go for breakfast then go to bed and do it all again. And I just did that for like four, four or five years. I'm I'm not sure exactly how many it is at this point. I think it was about five years where Mm -hmm. I did that basically every day. And I had honestly, probably less than less than a week worth of time off a year, but it's because I wanted to do it. So I was doing it like actually every day.
0: That's incredible. That's quite the, the change from the corporate world, you know, very much like a night and day kind of thing. At what point did you sort of decide to give that a try and why?
1: Um, the last company I worked for, uh, was Disney and they weren't super happy that I was interested in playing poker as much as I had been so at the time I would go to work in the morning um put in a full day and then the casino where I lived isn't it's not like a super huge town so it would open at like 5 p.m and then it would close by 2 a.m and I would play poker until it closed and then I would go to work in the morning and I did this for a year and a half or so Um, And I remember trying to get time off to go play the World Series because we were in between projects and there was no reason that I couldn't have had unpaid time off to go play this. And I had asked them if I could go play. And I remember them making a big deal out of it, saying and they clearly just didn't like that. It was poker specifically, mm. but they gave me a talk where they were like, you need to decide if you want to be a leader in this company, Vanessa, and make a choice. And yeah, eventually I chose, oh, sure. <laughs> but, uh, but they, they were letting people have time off for other things like hockey, hockey trips and like wishing them well and we like very excited for them and everything. And then specifically because it was poker, uh, they didn't like it, I think, because it was gambling. Like it was that whole environment was very anti-gambling, anti-drinking. Sure. Um, so yeah. So, Rated um, G. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, very.
0: <laughs> I hear you. That's funny, cause like obviously you know your story very much relates to to mine, and I'm sure to you know again, I'm not a player, but you know in the industry also just becoming self-employed, doing your own thing, you know not. Having to go to a boss, so to speak. And I think that there's a lot of people out there uh, in the cards chat community and the forums and, and beyond who, you know, wonder about having that type of a conversation with their boss someday, giving it a try. And, and you, go, you went ahead and, and you went for it. Um, not necessarily an easy decision to make, but uh, it's not like you just, again, woke up one day. Like you said, you had a year and a half of doing both, of scrambling both sides. So, yeah.
1: I think, um, an important thing to remember, and maybe people are a little bit scared to take leaps and not just for poker specifically, but for other things in their life is that in my head, like that door is never closed to me. You know, I could always go, I could always go back to the game industry and find another way in, or, you know, there are opportunities all over the place if you want to look for them and no reasonable employer that you ever go to and say like, Hey, look, I had this dream. I wanted to take a shot at it. It it was a, you know, I was in a once in a lifetime opportunity spot to go try it out. Um, It didn't work out or I decided to come back or whatever it is. Like nobody's going to say that's unreasonable. You shouldn't have this two-year gap or whatever it is on your resume. Like there are very few careers that that would actually close a door for you. Um, So I feel like to me, it's not that big of a risk. I still could have turned around and, you know, gotten another job doing similar things. Um, I, you know, I was pretty confident that I could have gone back to that if I needed to. Um, and I think, yeah, with most jobs you probably can. So I don't know if, if you have the means to, you know, try to chase your dream basically safely and you think you can get back into, you know, have some kind of safety net, um, you know, job option, then, you know, definitely it shouldn't be using uh, being worried about having a gap in your resume it should not be a reason nice
0: in but obviously you're speaking from the other side of the of the glass mirror there
1: right. but
0: <laughs> but you know, everything you're saying is completely logical. And sometimes people just sort of need to hear that from someone who who did cross to the other side. And I think it's, you know, some some good knowledge uh, bombs you're dropping there. Um, Not to steal any sort of idea from our good friend, Eric Dany at uh, the Hendon Mob GPI with their first flag podcast. How I hope you'll be on that show at some point because it's pretty awesome. Everyone tune into that after you finish the Cards Check podcast. Um, <laughs> but your first recorded Hendon Mob Cash is pretty darn unique. It's from, oh, yeah. it's from Macau. In 2010, you finished fifth in a 1,500 Hong Kong dollar tournament for a little over $5,700. We're talking a $200 American entry, $700 win. Macau, Vanessa, what's the story there?
1: So one of the jobs that um, I was working on was out in Singapore and I lived out in Asia for about three years. Ooh. And in between projects out there, sometimes I would fly out to Macau and mostly play the cash games there. There were some really insane rooms there where, oh man, it just feels like a scene out of a movie. Some of the, right. some of the, uh, the play there is just incredible. There's this one room in this really old um, casino, which I'm pretty sure is shut down now. It's called the Grand Lisboa. Yeah. And uh, all of these rich businessmen would basically come across the water, which is like a 45 minute ferry ride away uh, to play poker for like not even for the weekend. Sometimes in the middle of the week. And they would sit at these tables and you could smoke at the table. So they would just sit there and chain smoke and just gamble and never, ever fold a draw. So if you had like top pair and there was a draw on the board, you could just shove and get paid. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) But I basically would play that for months in between projects as much as possible and I guess that must have been some random tournament that came up that I just randomly decided to play and in or something. I actually don't remember it, but it is pretty funny that that's on there.
0: Very cool. Well, when when you do go on that show at some point, well, I'm sure Eric will uh, dive into more detail with you. (laughs) Um, You talked about a little town in Canada, it's Kelowna, where you're from. Tell us a little bit about that magical place.
1: Kelowna is pretty magical, actually. It's really, really nice. Um, So it's about three hours east of Vancouver. I actually grew up in Vancouver. um, But Kelowna is where the last company I worked for um, was. And so I had bought a place there. Um, And it's kind of a little bit like Austin, Texas, I guess, if you've been there. There's a really nice... It's quite dry. It's the only patch of desert in all of Canada. Uh, it's surrounded by really beautiful mountains and trees and just very scenic, huge lake, very big tourist spot. Um, the city itself is relatively small, but then it expands massively in the summer in particular when uh, it's nice out and everybody wants to go to a nice beach. Okay. Um, so I'm very lucky to have gotten a place there, um, you know, a few years ago before I got into poker. Mm-hmm. Um there's definitely one thing that helped my journey, not having, um, you know, a massive rental expense or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Kelowna is, is gorgeous and I'm definitely really happy to be based out of there.
0: Cool. Well, three hours away from Vancouver, I don't know that it's nece- necessarily like a Las Vegas strip or a Macau or anything. Did that <laughs> inhibit your live game a little bit, not having uh, casinos too too close by?
1: For sure, there. yeah, the, the live scene there is definitely pretty small. Uh, it's a good friendly group of people, and I love to go to that room, um, but there's nothing generally above 1-2, or I think it's 1-2. Um, though the game does play pretty big. It's definitely more for fun, I think, there. Okay. Um, there, Even in Vancouver, there's not a ton of juicy games the last little while. So, I mean, most of my live play has to be traveling kind of no matter what at the moment.
0: OK, that's fair. Um, you're known to be, I told you we'd uh, we mentioned the onesies. Um, <laughs> you, you're known to be one of the most fun-loving, friendly people in the game. We've seen you on social media, on your stream, at run it up Reno. Uh, you had the unicorn pinata, you know, lots lots of uh, fun stuff with the <laughs> with the candy stuff. Um, I'm sure you have a ton of friends. So it's time for shout outs. Who are some of your favorite friendly people in the poker?
1: Oh, man. Um, OK yeah i could give you a pretty long list one of my favorite people uh actually is ape styles and i've talked about him a lot on other podcasts uh but i just think he's fantastic i think he's one of the absolute most friendliest well-skilled players pretty much of all time like i i think Mm -hmm. he'll end up being the king of twitch (laughs) in the end because uh He's just got a personality that really, I think, is really conducive to streaming and just making like a fun, friendly environment. Um, and then also like his poker play is just probably probably the best I think I've ever seen from anybody. So the fact that he shares that openly on stream is pretty incredible. And I think anybody looking to um, have an enjoyable experience and learn some poker is like pretty much the perfect stream. So and he's just like a really good person.
0: Nice. So so for those who don't know, Ape Styles, Ape Styles is Jonathan Van Fleet, Just so you can Google him. Yeah. It's a pretty cool <laughs> guy. Yeah. Um, um so, so you are a uh, sponsored pro now. You just won one of the biggest tournaments in the history of poker. You're going to Disneyland. What's next on the to-do list? <laughs> what, are your, what are your immediate um, poker goals?
1: It's Oh, specifically for poker. Um, I just kind of want to play some slightly higher buy-ins live. So like I said, um, the U.S. poker open, I was kind of looking at a schedule this morning. I wouldn't previously have done a lot of 10Ks. Um, and I'm still selling action on these kind of things because I feel like it's been a very long road to get to this point, And I yeah. just want to make sure that I don't put myself back <laughs> to where I was. So... Um, you know, I mean, it's we're still upward trending and everything, but I think it's just a good idea to protect um, this win, basically. Sure. Um, so any any of this kind of stuff like that I can sell action for, I will play higher buy-ins um, when the opportunities come up. Uh, so yeah, just, I guess, more like really good 10Ks, that kind of arena, maybe the occasional 25K. I did one in Florida for fun to test it out. Um, and actually that game was like way soft. I was, okay. uh, I could not believe it. I swear to God, I've played like whatever, $30 games online that were harder <laughs> than wow. 25 K. Okay. Um, unfortunately I literally did not hit a single flop, which kind of makes it hard to win, but uh, I could tell that I, I was worried about being outclassed, I think in that arena. And I don't think it was the case. So that was, even though, even though I lost uh, pretty quickly, you know, within a few hours uh, I feel like it was good for my confidence anyway.
0: Well, to a degree there's something important about having that sort of experience. So there's no, you know, no fear or anxiety or whatever. Next right. time you give it a shot. Um, well, that's in poker, out of poker, any goals?
1: Um, So people keep asking like what I've spent the money on or what I'm doing with the money. And it's funny because I don't really plan on doing anything really big. Like I already am lucky enough to own my apartment in Kelowna and a car that's good enough. Like I don't feel the need to upgrade either of those things. Stuff. Um, and I probably would spend money generally on experiences instead. So things like, I mean, I'm not going to splurge a ton, just like that one stay in Mexico is kind of a one off, I, I feel like, but I definitely do want to travel more. So I'd like to see I'd like to go to Greece, uh, you know, there's like a long list of, of places I'd like to go like Greece and India, but I have to wait for some of the COVID stuff to shut sure. down. A bit.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, it's good. It's got an important, there's only one life to live and then one world we've got, got to see it. Um, Before we move into our community questions segment, I wouldn't be remiss. Uh, you did mention it briefly. Uh We got a, you know, relate a little bit to the stuff that was going on before uh, the big win. People who had been paying attention in the poker world obviously know about the whole GG, Dan Bilzerian thing. So we're not going to get into that. It's not that kind of a podcast, but I do want to ask you, it seems that the narrative around you changed very quickly after the win, kind of like it was dark and now it's all light. How do you feel about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's timing could not have been better for that, I think, for sure. Um, You know, I don't know. I tried to make a positive impact, I think, in an area that I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement in poker. Um, And it had its positives and negatives, like definitely, definitely can be stressful dealing with, you know, interactions that kind of center around those kind of topics. Um, cause there's a lot of negative feedback and there's also a lot of positive feedback though, too, from people who wish, um, you know, more people would say things like that. And hopefully, you know, we get closer to some improvement. Um, but following that up with that massive win definitely, um, I think took the spotlight from that issue. I remember saying just before that, that almost like speaking up about that subject, kind of pigeonholed me into this thing that I'm not, I'm not even, I don't want to say I'm not about that because I do think it's really important that people are treated, not just women either, but like people in general are treated decently in these kind of environments where there's no need for, you know, poor treatment. But also, you know, my, my whole thing was never like to, to be like a huge Social justice warrior, which is like what people would have pinned me as. Like, I do think these issues are important, but I had years of like having fun on Twitch and messing around and doing other things in poker. And suddenly you become like a one topic person where this yeah. is the only thing you're about. And then a lot of people view that in a really negative light. And it kind of just really sucks. It's, I remember saying, right before that I'm like that's it like for the rest of my poker career when people mm. hear my name they're going to think of this subject and that's going to be all it's going to be about is an escate and Dan Bilzerian and now I'm tied to this guy forever and I just was not pleased about it <laughs> I mean I definitely want to make a positive impact and I think these issues are important I don't want to you know make it sound like I don't um but I you know, I'm a multi-dimensional person with other interests and I was doing other things before this, like it's not hundred percent what I'm about. So mm-hmm. to turn around and get this win right afterwards and almost shut down that subject was like perfect. Like I, I am very, very grateful for the timing on that because now a lot more of the conversations are about this accomplishment rather than, um, you know, that being kind of the main thing anymore.
0: Churches. Well, that never would have been the the focal point of any discussion I'd have with you, uh, and, <laughs> but uh, we did we did have to mention it, and I will say oh, we we'll have to. I sorry,
1: I said of course I understand.
0: Yeah, well, for um, the next time we're running out of time, I got one more question. We're going to go to the community questions, but next time I'll ask you about. Uh, and I remember you were on the treadmill and streaming. You were trying to walk, uh, I think, across Canada or something crazy like that. So that was a cool, yeah, I, I've been following for a while. So that's good stuff. Um, last question from me before we move into the community questions. Uh, again, you did allude to it. Um, by grinding hard, by putting yourself out there on the live poker circuit and online with Twitch for so long, uh, you, again, de facto built yourself a platform via which to basically demonstrably inspire other women to get into the game. Now the platform has been amplified. Um, I know that's not what you're all about. I know that that's not what you're pigeonholed, but do you have now with this larger presence, any sort of hope when it comes to influencing the promotion of women in poker?
1: I mean, I definitely hope that just stories like this in general will help do that in a natural way on its own. Just women having success in poker in general, I think, is the best thing we can do for promoting fair treatment or equal treatment um, of each other, uh, and and encouraging people to get involved in poker in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that kind of thing helps. I also think um, uh, that. Having Maybe getting the sponsorship and having that win right after um, having openly discussed a lot of these things maybe helps um, other women because I know that for myself, when I was playing four or five years at low stakes cash, nobody knew who I was. I was just, you know, I had my head down grinding cash games. Um, uh, I dealt with a lot of crap <laughs> for, for a long time. Um, And I had always kind of wanted to say something about it and be like, can we collectively do something to make this better? Mm. And I really was hesitant because I was concerned that maybe saying something like that would ruin future prospects in the Mm. industry, you know, an industry I wanted to be around in for a very long time. And you kind of don't want to shoot yourself in the foot super early on like that. Um, So I hope maybe, having gone through this process. And I realize it's like a very unique path for me and not everybody will have the same experience, but um, you know, like my sponsorship, and this is why I keep mentioning this and it's mostly because I want women or people who maybe don't feel so comfortable in speaking up about things in poker to understand that that sponsorship actually was agreed upon before my win and before the Bilzerian stuff. So it actually has nothing to do with that. Um, like before, I mean, like the, the last bit of the affiliate stuff, like in spite of the conversation that was going on, like that was something that happened. So if you, if, you know, if your aspirations are to get a sponsorship or something like that in poker, um, speaking up about that kind of thing won't necessarily impede your goals.
0: Excellent answer. And uh, we will uh, talk a little bit about that sponsorship in a moment. What's one of our uh, community questions? This is now the segment of the show where we turn to you guys, our Cards Chat community, to see what questions you wanted to ask our guests. Of course, we have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forum for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. Our first question. Two questions come from Acid Burn FX. Gotta love the name. Always the most creative questions. Uh, Vanessa, this is, this is this is certainly one. What do you spend the most time thinking about?
1: Wow. Okay. <laughs> Just in general. I mean, if I had to pick like one specific thing, this is hard. Uh, There'd be a few things on the top of the list like poker, obviously, and just hands in short bursts, though, like I'll think about a hand so long as I can think through it and think if I should have done something differently or if I agree with the play, if I'm watching somebody else and then I'll move on from it pretty quickly. Like I don't try not to dwell on stuff. And usually I can't even remember hands from yesterday a lot of the time. So poker would be near the top of the list. I think about my cat a lot, which, which is a funny answer, but, you know, hey, I really, mean, I yeah. love my cat. He's like family. I've had him for 15 years and wow. um, I feel guilty every time I leave, even though a friend of mine who loves him to death watches him and he's he's fine, but uh, I feel I feel bad because he's a very, like, clingy cat. He clearly is upset when I'm gone. So I, f- I feel bad going for a few months at a time. But okay. those would be the top two probably. If I'm seeing somebody, I like give way too much mental energy to a relationship probably. So I think about that kind of thing a lot if if I'm currently dating someone.
0: Okay. Well, that's a good first question. Good first answer from our community. <laughs> Second one from Acid Burn FX, Vanessa, if you had a personal flag, what would be on it and why?
1: um a unicorn (laughs) and i think because of celeste celeste the unicorn if you uh were following along or visited uh running up reno and a few other events last year i think i also took it took her to uh wsopc uh series maybe a few other ones too where i had this basically this unicorn pinata that was full of candy that I would let people use the holes like in her butt and you would, like reach into her butt and and pull out a uh, small chocolate bar or whatever obviously it's not very pandemic friendly so she's <laughs> at home but uh, I did that for a while and I found that very enjoyable And so she was kind of like my little mascot for a while.
0: Like you said, multidimensional. Okay, so (laughs)
1: uh,
0: our second uh, forum uh, member who's asked a question, Red Gnome. Thank you very much, Red Gnome, for submitting this one. Vanessa, congrats on your Sunday Million win. Once the dust settled from it all and a little time passed, did you go back and rewatch in order to analyze your play?
1: I did, actually. Um, Maybe the craziest thing that I saw from rewatching was that there were two or three spots that I know are are technically shoves. And I was thinking about it at the time, like there was one hand where I got sevens and somebody just in front of me had opened and I would usually shove that spot. And I just and it's I'm like, oh, I just don't feel good about this this time and and mucked it. And then when I watched it back, the guy who would open had jacks. And there were three separate hands that you could like very easily argue were shoves and all three of them I were close and I mucked them this time around. And each time I would have been out of the tournament, which was wow. crazy. Like that's, that's wow. the nuts part. It's like, there were, there was a pair of sevens and it's funny because I shoved a pair of sixes in almost kind of a similar spot later and didn't feel like I felt fine about it. Um, There was a, I think there was like a suited ace six or something where I was short enough that it kind of should have been a shove, but somebody behind me had ace queen. Uh Um, And there was a third one. I can't remember what it was, but there was another one where I had like some low pocket pair that would have totally been fine to play. And it turns out somebody just had a bigger one again. Like there were three spots that I would have been out hypothetically. Uh
0: Crazy stuff. Uh, Our final forum member, Crystals, thank you very much. Got a bunch of questions here. We'll try to get as many as we can in. You've been streaming a long time. What was your lowest point earlier in your career and how did you overcome it? Great question.
1: Man, probably honestly right before the Sunday Million win. Oh wow. Uh, because I had been going for so long, just running really far below EV, mm. I'm financially I was kind of hovering at like an okay point, but mentally after a while it gets really difficult. Where I remember I was running bad enough that six months in I was just telling myself, like, okay, well, it's fine because it can't last forever. And then six months later, you tell yourself the same thing. And then, yeah. you know, when you get to the year and a half point, it just feels like it will be forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's some point at which it just feels like you're never going to break out of just getting screwed over in all the wrong spots. And um, so I was, I was starting to feel pretty frustrated. I think that's why this win was, you know, super emotional for me when it yeah. actually did happen because I had two years of pent-up frustration where – I just had tried to put myself in spots to be successful over and over again and just kept getting smacked down basically. And then when it finally happens, like I've, I've said this pretty openly, like I basically just was sitting at my desk and just started crying um, about it because it had been, you know, a few years of like, almost starting to question like, you know, did I, did I screw up my life and take the wrong path here? Um, you know, it feels like I should have had so many more wins before then and whatnot. And so when this happened, it was just like, just this like release of a whole like two years of pent up frustration. So that would have been the toughest bit. I mean, as long as, as far as how, like how to get through it, as I just kept telling myself, like, it, I I know that I'm running like significantly below EV and mm-hmm. I'm doing everything I can to get better. And I think actually that was an important point for me because Mm -hmm. for the first year, I wasn't actually first year of that run bad. I wasn't actually working super hard to improve. And Uh I think by the time I hit that like year and a half mark or something around there, I had started asking myself, like, am I really doing everything I could be doing to try to just make things better in general and like lose the least amount in spots or, you know, maximize the amount of chips I can get in others. And like, maybe I should be putting more effort into improving. Um, So I I definitely, I don't know, running bad long enough got me to kind of get my ass in the gear about trying to also work on my game a little bit more too, to make sure that I'm not just blaming it on luck, Um, you know, where I, I was unlucky, but also, I don't know, I think it's really important to be asking yourself if you can do everything, you're doing everything that you can be doing. So I think that's how I got myself out of it, is just A, telling myself the bad run can't continue forever, which it can't really. Um, and then trying to do um, everything I can uh, in a positive manner to try to improve.
0: Right. I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. But I
1: have actually, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the way you're speaking kind of just reminded me of that, You know, and if you haven't seen it, everyone that was watching or, or listening, Amazing movie kind of reminiscent of what you're speaking about how it's sometimes it's just the pursuit. And then, you know, that moment, that one moment is, is the happiness. Thing. Yep. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, again from crystals, you mentioned when you were on the ACR show with Justin Kelly, that you were probably going to buy a new laptop. Have you bought one yet?
1: No. Nope. <laughs> okay. um, the one I wanted wasn't available. So I'm waiting for it to come back in stock. I should check again. It might be. Um, I haven't really bought anything. I bought a pair of sneakers, which were like $200. Okay. Uh, And I bought the luggage that broke. (laughs) Okay. So I'm actually going to be returning that uh, and then just getting some like cheaper luggage. This is the same stuff I had before, kind of, which was fine. Cool. Um, And uh, actually the one thing, the most expensive thing that I will have spent money on is going to come up here shortly because... I accidentally fell asleep yesterday in my contacts and, oh. uh, and woke up with a bit of a headache and I was sitting at the poker table with a headache all, all morning thinking, this is ridiculous. I don't have to do this anymore. And on the break, I literally called up one of the LASIK clinics here <laughs> oh, <laughs> just wow. to get an appointment for a consult because there's, there's no reason not to do it now. Like I okay. might as well just never have that problem. So great. Um, yeah. So cool. while I'm in town, I'm probably going to just, Get my eyes fixed. I guess <laughs> there's
0: our scoop, guys. You heard it here first on the Cards Chat <laughs> podcast. Uh, three more questions, and we'll let you go. Thank you very much again for your time, Vanessa um, from Crystals. You joined the ACR team shortly before your big win. What is it about ACR and the WPN that drew you to them?
1: Um, they, I've I've known Phil for quite some time, uh, and we get on pretty well. So. They've always been super supportive of their pros. They let them play on any sites. They're very, just, they just want you to do well for you while helping the brand, versus like I feel like some of the other um, sites may have been more restrictive in like wanting, you know, wanting to control kind of maybe narratives and stuff I put out there. And I don't feel like that's the case with ACR. Like I think they just want me to be myself and then also help promote the brand while doing that, which I think is best for both of us. So um, that kind of flexibility, I think, is really good for me personally. Um, obviously, I hope I can contribute um, to them in an equal way. I think that they're probably feeling pretty okay about their timing on that side. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a little bit of run good there. Yeah. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, Phil is the CEO of the company, Phil Nagy. Um, Two more to go. How would you rate the live poker scene in Canada overall?
1: Um, It depends on where you're at. Vancouver has dried off a little bit, I think, though I haven't actually looked into it too much recently. Maybe it's gotten better again. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe there'll be some kind of boom after COVID. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. it's interesting in Canada because there are a whole bunch of random rooms kind of throughout the country. Right. Where you might find like some little hole in the wall somewhere that's actually an amazing poker room with like crazy action, but it's not gonna be in like a big fancy casino necessarily. Like some of the I some of the game best games I played in Canada were like in Grand Prairie, Alberta, where oh the casino doesn't open until 5 p.m. and closes at 3 a.m. But everybody just gets in there, max buys and like max gamble, five-way all-in preflop firsthand just to like <laughs> get the stacks up right away. Wow. Um, and so like there's just some some crazy games in some places that you wouldn't necessarily expect, uh, but you kind of have to find them. And uh, the one place that's like consistently very good and pretty much we were just talking about this at the table uh, yesterday – Pretty much the, definitely the best room in Canada, probably in the top few in North America in general is Playground Poker. Montreal, uh, yeah. yep. Yep, they're phenomenal. That room is like absolutely one of the best run uh, in the world, probably. I gotta get
0: there someday. Well, someday I'll get there. <laughs> uh, last question for you from Crystal's uh, Be Okay, I'm just reading what it says here, Vanessa. Be honest. Who is going to have more of your winnings spent on them you or your cat?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, I hope my cat is around long enough for it to possibly be him. Okay. <laughs> he's getting up there. He's he's a he's diabetic and 15 years old. So you know, oh. I I hope I hope to be able to I don't know buy him like a gold collar or something. Like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that concludes our questions. Thank you everyone who sent in questions for Vanessa Cade. And again, just a friendly reminder to all of you out there in our Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you'd like the show. Vanessa, before we let you go, I know you got a day two coming. Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Um, I just wanted to say that uh, all of, I guess, the outreach from everybody across this entire experience from like all f- starting from the Bazarian stuff, people who wanted to send in supportive messages, whether or not they got directly involved or just wanted to say, you know, I respect what you're doing, uh, all the way through to messages about the win um, itself, where I got, like I said, like literally thousands of messages and they were all just so positive. Like it was overwhelmingly the most positive thing that's happened in my life. And i don't even mean the money. I mean, the response from people and just well wishes from people and people being so happy about how this played out and, and just reading thousands of messages of like people being kind and happy and excited. And all of the good emotions was like, that is an experience I will never forget. Like, you know, So everybody who's a part of this, like asking questions or even just watching these kind of interviews and stuff like that, I really appreciate you. Thank you for the messages and thanks for watching and listening. These kind of things.
0: Amazing. If there was ever a GTO answer, uh, that was it. (laughs) Perfect note on which to end the show. Thanks again so much, Vanessa. And thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of Cards Chat. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at Card Life. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast
1: in town from the world's number one poker community.